Hello and welcome to Eisner Amper's podcast series, where we try to dig a little deeper on accounting and finance issues facing business professionals and their clients. Today we're talking about the historic Brexit vote in the UK Parliament. I'm your host, Dave Plasco, and with us to share his expertise is Robert Mursky, head of Eisner Amper's London office and head of the firm's asset management group for the United Kingdom. Robert, welcome and thanks for being here. Hey, uh, Dave, thanks, thanks for having me. So there's quite a political crisis going on in the UK around Brexit. Rob, explain to our listeners the magnitude of what happened last week. Well, it was a pretty significant vote last week. Um, it's, it's, it was the biggest defeat of a British prime minister on their sort of flagship policy and historical record. Uh, that said, it wasn't exactly a surprise rejection. Um, the, the, look, the UK has spent the, the last two years negotiating its withdrawal agreement from the UK, and, and Theresa May, the British Prime Minister, put forward a compromise deal to try and bring all of the, the different factions of, of British politics together. Um, it, it didn't really have that effect, and the vote reflected that. Now, why do you think the, the vote was so lopsided? I think um, many of the MPs that uh, they were, uh, you know, want to remain in the EU or, or leave the EU or against it. And really because it was a compromise that didn't seem to satisfy anybody. Uh, leavers didn't like it uh, because they thought the deal didn't allow UK independence and sovereignty, the, the freedom to make their own trade bills. Uh, the Northern Irish MPs who, who really prop up Theresa May's Tory or conservative majority government didn't like it because it meant um, that the rest of uh, the UK and Northern Ireland would have different customs regulations uh, in the event that the, the UK and the EU could strike a future trade deal. And don't forget the UK really is is a sort of, it's, it's a country with several countries inside of its union. And, and so Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and England each, each really have um, some, some autonomy here. So, so the Northern Irish issue is, is what they refer to as the, 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 the backstop issue. Um, and, and I think we'll, we'll look at that um, a, a little bit later. Um, the Scots didn't like the, the vote because they, they voted overwhelmingly to remain in the EU. Um, and the Rainers didn't like it because it involved leaving the, the EU. It, it involved leaving, the, the, at the very least, the customs union and, and single market. Um, so I think ultimately, though, what we'll get to is, is that the, the Irish backstop is going to be one of the real sticking issues here. So a lot of disparate, unhappy stakeholders. Uh, what now? Well, I think that the current fear is about the, the looming deadline, the 29th of March. Um, so under UK law, the UK is going to leave the EU at that point, regardless of whether or not there's a deal in place. Um, and and that's, what, that's what people call the no-deal Brexit. Um, a, a lot of the politicians and, and experts think that a no-deal could be uh, an economic disaster for the UK and its trading partners in, in the EU. At the very least, the current level of uncertainty is causing disruption uh, in business here. Um, so this past Monday, uh, Theresa May presented a plan that, that uh, after the, the, the historic loss last week in Parliament, she had to very quickly present a new plan. Um, that new plan was dubbed a Plan B that looked very much like Plan A from, from the week before um, and, and has been met with uh, you know, similar uh, disappointment. Um, Theresa May says she's now consulting all the MPs from all sides of the argument to try to pull something together. Uh, something that everybody will vote for, and really the, the next decision point on that to, to look at this uh, to, to look at this Plan B is, is next week on January 29th. Um, MPs are, are currently some of the MPs are actually declining though to, to negotiate with Theresa May on this until she takes no deal off the table altogether, uh, which until now has been a bargaining chip for her with both Parliament and the EU. And when you say when you say no deal, that's the so-called hard exit. That's right. That's the hard Brexit option. Um, so that's that's the that's the UK 
crashing out uh, without having any agreement. Um, and so in a sort of a cross-section of MPs across all, uh, the two main political parties, conservative and labor, are, are meeting right now to force Theresa May's hand to not allow a no-deal Brexit to happen. And, and they may try to constrain her ability to do that through some different uh, legislation. Um, so that's that's next week uh, when, when that deal happens, uh, the, the review will claim be, and, and also the, the, um, the political wrangling to prevent a no-deal from being allowed to actually happen. At this point, do you think we're more likely to see a soft Brexit or a hard Brexit, and, and what's the difference? Um, well, so at, at the moment, the opposition party and government is really pushing for, so that's the, um, that's the labor, labor party is really pushing for a soft Brexit or a soft Brexit, which means remaining in the customs union. Uh, in other words, where all countries in the European Union uh, share a common tariff on goods. Uh, that's really one of their key red lines, and they won't vote for a deal without it. But, it, but it's a stalemate. It's leaving the customs union is one of the prime minister's red lines, too. Um, the option looks like either a very hard Brexit, no deal at all, with a lot of disruption, or a softer Brexit, where the UK is no longer formally part of the EU, but remains in trading block, not dissimilar to sort of uh, how Norway uh, interacts with, uh, with the EU at the moment. Um, my guess is most likely at this point, realistically, it is going to be a delay of the March 29th deadline. Uh, and that's going to be, you know, in probably until, um, until right before the next European Parliament opens um, in, uh, in summer. Uh, and, and, um, and, and it's even possible that we could see a delay until the end of the calendar year. Interestingly, today, cable, which is a dollar sterling currency pair rate, um, uh, if that's any indication of real expectations, Sterling hit its highest level since November, most likely suggesting that a delay and potentially either a softer Brexit or maybe even a second referendum is the most likely outcome. Um, so look, th there, are, there are really four options that I see. Um, there's either going to be a delay, a hard Brexit, a soft Brexit, or a new referendum. And at least you know, for this March 29th deadline, I think delay is what we're going to get. Okay. Now, obviously, businesses aren't operating in a vacuum. They're watching this very closely. How are they preparing for a Brexit? So we're speaking with clients in the U.S., in Asia, in Europe, uh, certainly here in the U.K. about a number of things. But I'll focus my comments predominantly on the asset management industry. Uh, and let me start by saying I've had some interesting conversations over the last few days on exactly this topic. I just got back uh, from Luxembourg yesterday um, where I spoke with a number of people around what they're doing and, and what they're seeing. And interestingly, the government position in Luxembourg is that Brexit will be bad uh, for Luxembourg, which, which, as you know, is one of the largest centers of, of you know, financial services in Europe. Um, fund managers and providers of service to the industry there, they'll see an opportunity for growth. Um, very much like in Ireland, Luxembourg has a strong and well-established fund product and, and fund servicing base. And you know, through, through things like USITs, which are really European mutual funds, um, alternative investment funds and private equity structures. Luxembourg is actually seeing a pickup in activity. Um, I don't think we're expecting a rush from London to Luxembourg as such, but what's likely is that additional products and additional service provision will, will be required by the CSSF, the, the local Luxembourg regulator, and, and by the same token, the Central Bank of Ireland, who's the, the Irish regulator for this stuff, um, to ensure continuation of distribution across Europe. And, and that's one of the things that a lot of our asset management clients, particularly U.S. asset management clients, are asking us about. How am I going to be able to continue to distribute my product if I've got a UK base right now and there's Brexit? And, and the most likely answer on that is, well, there's going to be a delay, as I said before. Um, and, and, and in addition, my guess is you're going to start to see some transition rules come into place, assuming, assuming a Brexit. 
Um, let me just add it. it I think uh, Ireland very much like Luxembourg is, is, is sort of seeing the same thing. Um, and, and, and just by way of example, this morning in London, I, I spoke with, uh, with the leadership of a, you know, of a several hundred million, uh, billion dollar asset manager we're doing work for. And, and what they said is that to ensure continu- continuity of their operation, they, they've set up a parallel investment manager in Ireland. Um, they're taking a wait and see approach, knowing that they can cover all eventualities, having that sort of EU 27 or EU minus UK uh, investment management base. Um, I think the basic points for, for asset managers to consider here are around the distribution strategies in Europe and the trading activities. Trading, I'm guessing, is, is going to be able to continue without a lot of you know, uh, massive changes here. Um, distribution could become challenging and, and, and really now is the time to start thinking uh, you know, and, pl- and planning for that. Um, in other areas, businesses are preparing uh, in, in a lot of different ways for Brexit, whether it's stockpiling quantities of product, you know, potentially moving headquarters. You saw that with Sony and Dyson today, um, or, or moving staff to offices in, in Europe. And, and look, on, on, a, on a slight, ju- just to sort of help you understand how this looks on an emotional level, um, you know, for Europe and, and the UK, you know, there was a politically motivated car bomb in Derry in Northern Ireland this past weekend. And, and one of the biggest sticking points of Brexit negotiation is the backstop. It's a border between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. Um, it, it, it's frictionless at the moment. There's nothing set up between between the two countries. Um, and, and, you know, if you remember, the Good Friday Accords were signed about 20 years ago. How the Brexit negotiations end up could have a much bigger impact here than simply the free movement of goods and services. Yes, we, we don't want to go back to the time of the troubles, as the locals call it. Um, well, being based in Eisner Amper's London office, Robert, thanks for giving us this front row perspective. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. And thank you for listening to the Eisner Amper podcast series. Visit EisnerAmper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next Eisner Amper podcast when we get down to business.